0: Welcome to the Let's Go e-biking podcast, where we talk about e-bikes, ride e-bikes and explore places of interest with our e-bikes. Now, here's your host and ride leader, Alan Rayner. Hello and
1: welcome to this episode of Let's Go e-biking, the go-to podcast for anyone interested in leisure, commuter and e-bike cycling. I'm Alan and I'll be your host and ride leader. Thank you for joining me. We're currently in the midst of a worldwide COVID-19 pandemic, and here in the UK we're in lockdown. So as we can't travel far from home to explore the places of interest that we had planned to visit, I have instead used this time to record the first in a series of discussions on things to consider when buying an e-bike. Beginning with this episode, we will cover a basic introduction into e-bikes and the law, plus we'll start to look at various options that can cause price differences, with a focus this episode on batteries. So if you're looking to buy an e-bike, or just want to know more about them, then join me for each new episode as I introduce and talk about the various technical options that you will no doubt encounter.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you the latest and greatest in e-bike tips, skills, and know-how. We aim to make it fun, friendly, and informative. So enjoy the ride, and let's go e-biking.
1: So, you're considering or or you've already decided to buy an electric bike. So what exactly is an electric or e-bike? Well, my aim with this podcast is to provide some clarity and answers to this and many other frequently asked questions. As the name suggests, and in simple terms, an e-bike is a bicycle that is fitted with an electric motor that is powered by a battery. In the UK, these bikes are regulated by law under the EAPC 2015 regulations. So what is EAPC? EAPC? It is an electrically-assisted pedal cycle, also known as a pedelec. It has a motor limited to a maximum continuous rated power of 250 watts that can provide a maximum assisted speed of 25 km per hour. The electrical system and motor is normally controlled and regulated by a switch and display device fitted on the handlebars. The motor is activated and starts by the pedalling action, and it will cut out either when the rider stops pedalling or when the bike reaches 25 km per hour. There may also be a switch normally fitted on the handlebars that, when operated without pedalling, will activate the motor up to 6 km per hour. This is often referred to as the walk assist. Pedelec riders must be a minimum of 14 years of age. And other than this age restriction, pedelecs are considered and treated just like regular bikes and can be ridden in the same places. There is another type of electric bike known as a speed pedelec or S-pedelec. These are capable of much faster speeds and in the UK these types of bikes or e-bikes are classified as mopeds. Because of this moped classification they are subject to a different part of the regulations. And for example, the bike must be type approved, the bike must be registered with a DVLA and fitted with number plates. The rider must hold an appropriate licence, have road risk insurance and wear an approved crash helmet. A point I would like to make at this juncture is that for anyone who has an e-bike with a motor larger than 250 watts, that is not registered as a moped or type approved, please be aware that you cannot legally ride it on the public roads or highways. And the term off-road is something of a misnomer insofar that it does not mean simply not on the road, because the law states that it can only be ridden on private land and that you must also have the landowner's permission to do so, so you cannot for example ride it on cycle paths and trails that are public rights of way. So having established what an e-bike is, one of the problems that many consumers face when looking at and comparing e-bikes is their similar appearance and yet big difference in price. Putting aside the obvious fact that all e-bikes will have similar components such as a frame, wheels etc, let's now look at what it is on e-bikes that can cause such a wide disparity in the price. So where do you start? Well after establishing your price point, then first on my list of considerations is really a question to ask yourself and that is What do you intend or want to use the bike for? This is likely to be one of the main influences in your choice or type of bike, and therefore it needs careful consideration. As previously stated, the more commonly recognised and everyday e-bikes are classified as electrically assisted pedal cycles, or pedelecs. These require the rider to pedal in order to activate the assistance in the battery-operated motor. Let's now look at one of the key components that not only affects the price of e-bikes, but also how far they will travel on a single charge. I'm referring, of course, to the battery. I'll discuss the technical details more in depth in later episodes, but for information purposes at this point, it's worth noting that a key factor in the principle that will determine the distance an e-bike can travel on a single charge is the capacity of the battery, and the bigger the capacity of the battery, the more cost it is likely to add to the price of the bike. Battery power is referenced in units of volts and capacity is referenced in units of either amp-hours or watt-hours. So as an example, you may hear someone say that this bike has a 36 volt, 10 amp hour battery. Or put another way, 36 volt, 360 watt hour battery. Watt hours is derived by a math calculation of volts multiplied by amp hours. So in this example, it is 36 volts multiplied by 10 amps, hence 360 watt hours. So on with that information, it's back to the question, what do you want to use the bike for? For example, do you want your bike for commuting or will it be for leisure rides? And what sort of distance do you intend to cover on each ride? If it's for commuting, then is your ride continuous or do you in part use public transport or some other mode of transport along the way? If so, you might consider, say, a folding bike. Do you ride or intend to ride solely on road or is part of your ride off-road? If so, you might consider an off-road mountain style bike or maybe even a hybrid bike. Whichever type of bike rider you are, consider where you start your rides from. Is it from your home, or do you travel somewhere first by other means? If so, how do you transport your bike or bikes to the start point of your ride? The reason for asking this is because an e-bike is heavier than a regular bike, and may affect how you transport your new bike or even where you begin your rides from. For example, you might currently ride a lightweight road bike that you transport on the roof rack of your car to the start point of your ride. You may park up out of town and complete the last leg of your journey by bike. But with a heavier e-bike you may not even be able to lift it onto the roof rack. So when you have decided on the type of e-bike that you need, want or prefer, you will now want to compare different makes and no doubt you will encounter one of the understandably difficult problems that many consumers have when looking at and comparing e-bikes. And that is, bikes can be similar in appearance but can have a big difference in the price tag and despite the fact that as you now know that they will have, or should have, the same 250 watt power output from the motor. You might not know that they may not have all the same torque output, and I will cover more motors in later episodes. Different manufacturer brands may have different prices for similar looking bikes. It goes without saying that an established premium brand will ask a higher price. This is partly because, we hope, they have better engineering and because we might expect higher quality from from them compared to an alternative lesser brand. Using motor vehicles as an example, a Porsche will be more expensive than say a Vauxhall. It is at this point where I would use the idiom to make sure you compare apples with apples. Many people don't do this, maybe because they do not accept that you would expect to pay more for a premium brand, or that they do not recognise the difference in components and this is an area where it's often confusing and misunderstanding when it comes to prices. It's not just manufacturer branding that can cause price differences. So too can the make, the type and specification of other major components such as batteries, drivetrains and other key parts. And as I've mentioned batteries earlier I will elaborate more on this critical part in an attempt to make the subject clearer. Electric bike battery packs come in all shapes, sizes and quality. This is an area where good quality plays an important part, and as with the battery capacity it will also affect the overall price. When looking at battery packs, do ask what cells are contained within the pack itself. Good quality battery packs will be using familiar sounding household names such as Samson, LG, Panasonic and Bosch. Some lower priced e-bikes will use low priced Chinese or other foreign batteries. Some bike manufacturers will either use cheaper, less known battery cells and or will install lower capacity packs to reduce the overall price of the bike. And This is a good example of the phrase buyer beware, because you will get what you pay for here. It's worth stating here, because it's a question that's often asked of me, is does the battery charge whilst I'm pedaling? And the answer is, no it doesn't. The battery depletes whilst you're pedaling, you have to charge it from a mains charger. Batteries are one of the most expensive items on an e-bike. The same two bikes or similar bikes could have, for example, different capacity batteries. One may have a 10 amp hour, 360 watt hour, and the other could have a 20 amp, 720 watt hour battery, double the capacity. This doubling capacity could have a huge effect on the price of the two bikes in comparison, with a bigger capacity having several hundred pounds added to the price of the bike. So just check that out when you're looking at batteries and bikes. So to summarise, a good quality, high capacity battery should, if cared for correctly, reward you with longevity of service and more miles per charge. In this episode we began our series of discussions on things to consider when buying an e-bike. We will be continuing this series in future episodes, as well as looking at each of the other key components, so do join us for those. But now it's time to get some insight into this topic from our special guest for this episode, Tracy Johnston, partner at EcoVaults, the electric bike manufacturer. As well as being one of the co-owners of EcoVaults, Tracy often wears many different hats, one of these being as an equestrian riding instructor. But she's also well known to some of our listeners as the person that introduced them to e-bikes and got them back into cycling, and for some it was after a 25-year break. Hello Tracy, and thanks for joining us today.
2: Hello Alan, thank you for inviting me. It's
1: nice to be here. We're delighted you're here. So, Tracy, just tell us some. Um, how long have EcoVaults been producing electric bikes?
2: Just over nine years and coming into our, we'll be our 10th year in 2021.
1: Okay, do you have any special planned for the 10th anniversary?
2: Yes, we've, we're currently at the moment in the sort of last stages of development of some new models for 2021 that we're going to be launching hopefully in early part of March next year
1: good that sounds exciting can you tell anything about them or is it all top secret at the moment
2: fairly top secret at the moment they're they're an evolution on feedback from customers that we've had about two of our um sort of popular models that we have been d- using for the last sort of six years realistically
1: Okay, so do you do a lot of uh, adjustments or development in in response to customer feedback?
2: Yes, we try and um, match sort of all our bikes in design to what people want because everybody comes in different shapes and sizes and all want something slightly different and one bike doesn't fit all.
1: Excellent, that's good. Okay, so do you ride an e-bike yourself?
2: Yes, I, I do now. I mean, I'd stopped cycling when I was about 18 because I had knee surgery. Um, And the upshot of having had knee surgery meant that although cycling a regular bike on the flat was fine, um, but going up hills was really, really painful, usually the day after or sometimes that same day because of the pressure you have to put on and the effort you have to exert when going uphill. Um, So the start of an e-bike, which is what initially got me into them, has made a huge difference and meant that I can... I wouldn't call myself a cyclist. I'm a person who rides a bike. I go out and enjoy lots of different activities on a bicycle now.
1: Do you ride the same bike or different bikes?
2: Um, No, I ride different bikes. I've got my favourites. It does depend what I'm doing and where I'm going. And I I certainly can say that one of my first bikes I got back on was actually a 20-inch wheel bike. I found it stable, comfortable. I felt confident having not ridden a bike for 20-odd years I found it one of the most sort of easy bikes to get on and start cycling again on.
1: Yeah, it was a long break from cycling to get back onto it and you chose a small wheel bike, that's interesting. What's your preference? Is it big wheels or little wheels or
2: It depends what you're going to ride and where you're riding. Um the problem with little wheels is you are pedalling a lot more. But on our small wheel bike what I found nice and made them stable is we have a slightly wider tyre, so they don't feel as jittery and you feel, don't feel that the the bike is too big for you you feel very much in control however the nice 700c or 28 inch wheel that you get a big sort of wheel is great for road because you cover a lot more mileage but i find it quite awkward and difficult to manhandle round tight canal turns and narrow paths and tight barriers and things it can be quite cumbersome especially if you're a little bit on the uh, shorter side
1: so the big million dollar question that i know everyone always asks is is it cheating
2: well, I suppose it depends on your perception of cheating. If it means you can get out and about with the family, keep up with probably more active members of the family, share family time together. Like me, I'd stop cycling as something I'd really missed and, you know, been able to do. So to me, I don't class it as cheating because I turn the power assist on and off and I use it as and when needed, which means I can take an active role in going out with friends, family, and pursuing different activities on a bike so no I don't think it is
1: and you see you mentioned controls and that, or switching it on and down is that difficult to do is it complicated
2: no it's not complicated it's very simple on most e-bikes sort of up and down the power levels some are easier than others some have bigger buttons than others And some controls are easier to use for some people than others. That's one of the main reasons that I always like people to ride whatever e-bike they're going to buy for a good journey and tie it out in lots of different sort of areas and terrain.
1: Hence why I guess you say it's good to try them out on the road services and things that you're going to be riding it on or intending to ride it on.
2: Yes, I mean, one of the things that we do when we we sort of take people, we call it the EcoVaults experience. We take people out on a ride. We encourage people to try and fold the bike, put it in the car if that's what they want to do. Put it on the cycle rack. Take it, you know, through country parks, down canal paths, up hills, you know, and ride it exactly where they want to ride it. And if you want to commute it, even ride that commute backwards and forwards to work to make sure the bike performs how they expect it to. It does take a little bit of learning how to ride an e-bike to use the difference between power levels and gears. It doesn't take all the effort out of cycling, but it takes a lot of the hard work out of cycling.
1: That sounds great. So do people get the opportunity to do all that when when they come to see you?
2: Yes, normally we ask people to make an appointment so that we can spend time. We normally spend a couple of hours with people riding different bikes and taking them out on rides. And again, we also offer the option to hire the bike for a while so they can take it away if they wish. Or they can go out and explore areas from our location on their own.
1: So how far will it go on a single charge?
2: Again, on a single charge, any bike varies dramatically to how you ride. It's a little bit like fuel economy on a car. Depending how well you ride it and drive it will make a big difference. For instance, when you first probably get into cycling, you'll probably, you know, start riding an e-bike, ride it on much higher power levels. You probably won't be as efficient using gears and power levels together. So you won't get as far a mileage out as what you will do when you come a little bit more practice and start using power levels and gears together and as you get fitter, you will probably use the power levels less.
1: Okay, so um, how long does it take to charge an e-bike?
2: Most e-bikes charge between four to six hours, All right, If they're completely flat. If it's not completely flat and it's a top-up, it can be as little as a couple of hours.
1: Okay, so so if I wanted to, or so a customer wants to come to you and try a bike out, they can hire it for how long? What's the?
2: They can hire it either for a couple of hours from the location once we're back o- open after COVID-19. Or they can hire it for a couple of days, a week or even a month and to actually try the bike fully that they're going to actually hopefully purchase.
1: And is that expensive?
2: Um, The hire itself normally starts from £16 for two hours and then we have a rate for a week or a day um, and again long-term hire. However, if they do go ahead and purchase a model of bike from ourselves, we refund the hire for them.
1: So they get it for free?
2: In effect, if they hire, they buy a bike from us at the end of it, yes.
1: That's a great idea. That's a, what a great scheme. That's fantastic. Okay, so what advice would you give someone choosing a, their first e-bike?
2: Well, I suppose the most important thing is that you need to be happy with the e-bike. So you need to feel comfortable, in control, and it needs to suit you. You need to feel and ride the bike how you want to ride it. So the best thing to do with any bike that you're thinking of purchasing is that you ride it. And if your ride position means your feet are flat on the floor, then the flat on the floor, all right? It's about how you feel comfortable and safe. And if you don't feel comfortable and safe, all right, on your bike, you won't ride it. So as far as I'm concerned, it is a must that you ride the bike that you are going to purchase.
1: When you say feet flat on the floor, I assume you don't mean riding it like that.
2: <laughs> no, not riding that. But a lot of people have, when they stop the bike, um, some sort of ladies and gentlemen because they're not cyclists, aren't confident enough to um, stop with their uh, uh, feet on tiptoes. And they want to be able to stop, put the feet flat on the floor to be able to control and hold the bike. And that often means that sometimes the seat's a little bit lower. Because the idea when you're cycling is that your legs should be virtually straight on the downstroke. Which means that when you stop, you've either got to jump off the saddle... So your feet are flat on the floor. Now, that's not always possible for some people when they ride a bike. And it's not wrong. It's If it's comfortable and it gets you out and about, then that's fine. There are one or two tricks of the trade that we have that where we can actually achieve this without people having to have the incorrect seat height.
1: That's interesting. So uh, is that something is a trade secret or do you... uh... Uh, can you enlighten us on that
2: i might enlighten you on that in a, in a, in a later interview but not at the moment okay. it's something that we found really useful
1: that's that sounds quite intriguing so yeah i look forward to having another interview with you Well, you mentioned the ecovolts experience so how do people take part in that
2: okay if they want to uh, have an ecovolts experience and try one of our bikes they could go to our website www.ecovolts.co.uk or They can give us um, a call on 01246-240-362 or they can go to our Facebook page, EcoVolts Electric Bikes. And just so everybody gets the right website, Volts is spelled V-O-L-T-Z. All right, not with an S.
1: That's great. Thank you very much indeed, Tracey. I'm sure there are going to be lots of other questions that people will follow up with. So, uh, and there's probably a thousand more questions I could have asked you. But thank you for your time today and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thank
2: you.
0: This episode has come to an end, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, suggestions or feedback, head on over right now to Twitter and Facebook and like, share and get involved. Join us next time and get more from Let's Go E-Biking.